Hey, thanks for joining us for another message from the City Church. We're a local church in Mississauga, Ontario, gathering in community as we move closer to Jesus. We hope this message from our lead pastor, Brent Coulter, encourages you wherever you're joining us from today. Amen. How about the preacher, Michael Leto, friends, encouraging us today? Such a great job. If you had met Michael Leto... 10 years ago, you would have never thought that this was possible. (laughs) But God can do amazing things in people's lives. Thank God for that encouragement. I just want to give you one other encouragement right now in this season. Uh, Whether you're joining us online, which is most of you this morning, and we got a few of you here in the room. Uh, We had some other restrictions come in this week, and so our our gathering limit is 50 here in the building for this week. Um, But you know what? One of the great things that we see in the scripture over and over again, when, when God would show up in the Old Testament, Testament, he would always say, fear not. Yeah. Amen. Can I get an amen in the room? Can I get an amen online? So those of you uh, in the room today, you got you to step up your game with the amens, all right? I know, Phil, you're going to help me out this morning. My wife is going to help me out. But everybody online has got to step up your game with the amens. God would show up and say, fear not. There's a lot of stuff to fear right now. And what, what God is not wanting us to do, God is never wanting us to live in fear. He's always wanting us to live according to our faith in him. We don't have faith in politicians. We don't have faith in a disease. We don't have faith in the media. We put our trust in God. Our trust is in God, and then we don't have to be afraid no matter what comes in the world, because the world is going to be up and down, up and down, up and down for the rest of your life, pandemic or no. What we're always going to do is we're always going to not be afraid, and we're going to put our trust in God. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right, we are in week three of a series that we have called That Sounds Better. And what we are talking about in this series is that we want our lives to be like well-played music. That there's something about music that connects with us in ways that we don't actually understand. And it's this beautiful pattern of artistic math, which is sort of seemingly two different things. And music tells us something about life. And we see this actually as a representation of what the scripture tells us, how to live our lives in this beautiful way that is bringing together uh, rhythm and melody and harmony, and it's, it's having a song that's pleasing to the ear. And this is the way our lives should be lived. And As I've been talking to you, uh, you know, in this series that I have a very musical family and part of the inspiration uh, for this series is my daughter who's here on the stage, that she has so many different playlists with so many different types of music and they all have, these playlists have very uh, interesting names and sometimes we're driving down the road, her phone is connected and we're playing her music and she's searching for a song and what I would say about what we're doing, we're searching for a song, we're we're looking for a song to either affirm how we're feeling or maybe help us to change change how we're feeling. And we think that music can do that because it actually can. And so also with the word of God, that the word of God can change our lives and we need to tune in to what the word of God says to us and have that speak to us in ways that we couldn't understand and couldn't know. And we see in the scripture over and over again that they would put the singers out in front, they would put the instruments out front, they would walk around walls and God would do amazing things with the worshipers and the singers. The whole book of Psalms is about musical poetry. 
And it's something that connects with us, once again, in a way that I don't think we actually understand. The first week, we talked about grace and truth, these two very seemingly different notes um, and what they represent in Scripture, but they came, and Jesus came full of grace and truth, and this is what his ministry was all about, that Jesus wasn't just a one-note life. He wasn't just a one-note Savior, that he was full of grace and truth. And this is what our lives need to be full of. And then last week we talked about godly leadership, that the way up in life is down, that the way up um, to be a godly leader is to submit yourselves and to serve others. Once again, these seem like two very different notes, but when we get them going well in our lives, that our lives can produce a song. The word melody melody just means a sequence of single notes that is musically satisfying, harmony, agreement, accord, harmonious relations, a consistent, orderly, pleasing arrangements of parts that fit together. And this is what well-sung music, which we're actually going to get to hear in a second, some well-sung music or well-played music just makes sense to us. So we can recognize the emotions that uh, music produces in our lives, that it makes us feel a certain way. And some can actually read music and write music. And others can explain it in amazingly different ways, but then others can embody it. And this is what we see about a great musician or a great singer, that it just, music just flows out of them in this very beautiful, orderly manner. And this is what we want to do with the Word of God. We want the Word of God to flow out of our lives, not just remain on the pages. That we want the Word of God, the ways of God, the pattern of God to come out of our lives and that our lives can be a beautiful song. So we have three amazing singers who are going to come to center stage here. We have Vicky and Oral and my daughter, Paris. So, and what they're going to do here, this is going to give you uh, uh, just a tremendous display of vocal talent momentarily. And we're going to have like a melody and then we're going to add in a couple different parts. And then after some beautiful music, they're going to attempt to sing some sour notes. Now, it's very hard for them because they're very good singers, but we're just going to feel some good singing here. So we're going to start out with a melody, and then we're going to add two other parts in, right? I, Mickey, you starting us off? All right. How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. And all will see how great. good. Now, did you feel it? When Oral came in, there was just like three notes. They were all different, but it just connected with it. It was just like, oh, that is beautiful music. And this is, once again, that is how we can live our lives. We can live our lives that way. So it's just a beautiful, we're not just, we're not just one note, we're not just one rhythm, that we're actually bringing all of these beautiful things together from the Word of God that can, we can live a well-sounding life. Now, they're going to attempt Something that's going to make us all really uncomfortable, but here we go. How great <laughs> is our God?
<laughs> you see, you almost sounded good at the end there. You almost felt it. Anyway, I just wanted to thank my daughter for coming and singing this. I can't hug you guys, but she's in my uh, house. So thank you guys so much for that tremendous display. Now, see, even if you aren't a musician, you know that that last part is just no good. It's just no good. It's just off key, and there's, there's it's, it's so many different things happening. And, and the reason I keep showing you this every week is what I'm wanting you to understand is that is what our culture sounds like. Do you understand that last bit? There's a whole bunch of confusion. There's a whole bunch of terrible notes being sung to the wrong melody, to the, to the wrong rhythm. And, and what, I, what is a, the struggle for Christians that I would say right now in this culture that is so messed up in so many different places and levels is that what is happening to us is that we could possibly be tuning our lives to that. It's just noisy, and there's noise coming at us all of the time. But God has something else for us to tune our lives to. There's, there's ways, there's patterns, there's rhythms, there, there's melodies, and there's harmonies that God has given us for us, for us to, weigh, to live a life that just sounds so good. And so what we don't want to do is we don't want to tune our lives to the noisiness of the culture. The, the misrepresentation of truth in the culture, the difficulties in the culture that God actually has a way for us to sound different. And, and I feel like I'm a broken record, but it's so important for the church to sound different right now. And I don't just mean me speaking right now, that all of us, our lives, we go live our lives. We shouldn't be singing that tune. We shouldn't be singing what the broken culture is singing. We actually have a different tune to sing. Um, you know, one of the earliest representations of music that we have in recorded history, that somebody trying to write down some music, what the instructions were, were about tuning. Now, if you think about that, it makes sense because if you, if you find a good melody and, and you want to tell it to somebody else and you want someone else maybe that you can't speak to, for them to, to play that melody, what instructions do they need? They need tuning instructions. They need to know what a C note is. And they need to know what a D is. And they need to know certain notes. And so you need tuning instructions. And this is what we have. That God wants us to tune our lives to this. The wisdom of the ages. There's tuning for us. And, and, and the great thing about the scripture, that it's not just a story of people's perfect successes. It is their failures and their mistakes, and then how to get over there's those failures and mistakes, and then God has something ways for us to tune our lives. So let's not tune our lives to the culture. Let's not get immersed in bad music and then represent that. Let's get into the music of God, the beautiful patterns of God from the scripture, and live that out because we need to sing that song right now. What song? The beautiful pattern of living our lives according to the word of God. Can, can, please tell me you see that the necessity for it. So many different, there's so many crazy things going on. Let's not just join into that song. Let's sing a different song with our lives. Romans chapter 12, verse 16 says this, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one for evil, 
but give thought to, to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Singing a different song. What, what is a different song? We're, we're not, we're not going to be arrogant. We're not going to be wise in our own eyes. We're not going to be vengeful people. What are we going to do? We're going to live in harmony. Colossians chapter 3, verse 14. And above all, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. A way for us to live different than what we're hearing in the culture. And, and I would just ask you to think about what would be the impact of that? Or what could be the impact of that? If we just don't tune ourselves to the world, that we tune ourselves to the word of God, how much influence could we make? And see, we could think in this moment, well, it's not that much influence. You know, me, me playing my song in a world of noise, but there could be a way for you to live your lives that it actually is heard differently in and amongst the noise in and amongst really bad rhythms and harmonies and melodies, if you just live your life, you can make a difference. You can make a difference. You can make a difference. But let's tune our lives to the ways of God. So today we're going to be talking about three different things, three different notes, as we had in the beautiful representation of the song this morning. Knowledge, faith, and action. These three different notes that we can uh, and we should sing according to the word of God that will actually make a difference. They can make an impact in the world, and you need to make an impact in the world, and I need to make an impact in the world right now. So just starting out with knowledge, this idea of knowledge. Knowledge can come from a lot of different places, and it can become a bunch of different things. Now, when I was in university, one of the things um, that, is, that, it's, that we want to do when we're in university, that we want to represent that we're going to university. It's kind of like this rite of passage that we just want to show we know stuff too. Even though we're 19 and 20 and we finally got to the place that, hey, we want you to know that we're thinking the smart thoughts. Mom and dad just want to let you know that you don't know everything, that I actually know some stuff now too. Now I know this because I lived it and then I get to hear it a lot right now about stuff and knowledge. And we want to know, we want people to know that we know stuff. And back in the day, when, when I was in university, one of the great things to do for university students, I'm not sure, it's as popular now, we would want to put our university sticker on the window, the back window of our car. Why are we doing that? Because we're like, hey, I'm smart. I want you to know I'm smart. And I know stuff, and I have knowledge. And the scripture tells us in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, it says this. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. In other words, knowledge has the potential to make us arrogant. Any knowledge has the potential to puff us up. I know stuff. I know stuff other people don't know. And when we, when we have knowledge, and because we, we do all have a measure of knowledge about a bunch of different things, the potentiality is there for us just to make us I know better than other people. And with the advent of social media, people want to get their knowledge out and they want to tell people what they know. And then we want people to know that we know and then we want people to think actually like we think. And so, but this just becomes a, a rehearsal and arrogance. 
that I know stuff, and I, I just want you to know that I know. And it doesn't necessarily mean that there's any action with that knowledge, but it just is knowledge. And so the, the knowledge that puffs us up can just be like, here's how amazing my opinions are. Here's how amazing my criticism is. Here is my anger. Because of the knowledge that I have about this situation, I'm going to share with you my anger, and I'm going to share with you my frustration. And then certain types of knowledge just make us hate people. Certain types of knowledge just make us disillusioned, and then certain types of knowledge just make us judgy, just really judgy of other people that, ha that have different knowledge than us. And if you don't think that this is the noise coming from the culture, you don't know what's happening in culture. There's just a whole bunch of noisy knowledge with not a whole lot of action. Whole lot of anger, a whole lot of hate, a whole lot of frustration, a whole lot of opinions. See, this is what knowledge, the negative side of knowledge, that it just puffs us up, just makes us arrogant. But I'm talking about knowledge, faith, and action today. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 says this. And so from the day we heard it, we have not ceased to pray for the Apostle Paul talking to the Colossian church, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So knowledge is so very important. Scripture says that my people perish for a lack of knowledge. So we need knowledge. We can't be scared of knowledge. We need to know stuff. But then Paul gives us here, as he's praying for the church, he gives us a progression of knowledge that we would know his will, spiritual understanding, spiritual wisdom and understanding. And then this, verse 10, as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So this progression is so necessary that we have knowledge and then we're going to grow in knowledge, but then it's going to, it's going to cause us to do something. We're, we're actually going to know God more and then we're going to live a life pleasing to him. Living a life pleasing to God may be contradictory to the culture. In fact, that it is. That doesn't have to, doesn't mean that you have to be an angry, hateful Christian doesn't mean you have to be mean to people, but you are going to live opposite to the culture if you are living a life pleasing to God. And then it says that we're going to continue in something and we're going to do good stuff, that we're going to have knowledge and then we're going to grow in our faith in God. And then it's actually going to produce something in us and then produce something through us. See, the other way of knowledge is that I have knowledge and I'm just going to tell you how amazing I am because of the knowledge that I have. And it could just possibly puff me up or make you think that I know stuff. But how many of you know that doesn't actually accomplish anything? God actually wants us to get somewhere with our knowledge that we learn and grow. And then we want to live a life pleasing to God. And then we're going to do a bunch of good stuff with the knowledge that we have. And this is the impact that we can make in the culture right now. Turning our knowledge into faith-filled action. This is what we need to do. So that we're just not puffed up about our knowledge. We just don't, we don't know a bunch of stuff. Or I just, here's all the scriptures that I know. Well, I know this, and I know this, and I know this, and I know this interpretation, and I know what this preacher says about this verse, and I know this. And then we could just get arrogant 
in our Bible knowledge. This is something that I've watched in the church my whole lifetime. Well, I know this, and here's my interpretation of this. Then it has to come down to this. Okay, but what are we doing with it? Are we living a life pleasing to God? Are we creating a sound from our lives that is pleasing to God? And then is every good work coming out of my life? Is every good work being sung through my life? James chapter 1, verse 22 says this. But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Hearers only. In other words, I'm going to acquire knowledge. I'm going to have some knowledge. But then what do I have to do? I have to do it. Otherwise, what? Self-deception. One of my Bible school instructors said this. The only word you know is the word you do. The only word you really know is the word that shows up in your life, that we can see it in action. So we just don't want to stop at knowledge. We just don't want to stop at understanding, well, I have this knowledge that could puff us up, but we kind of want to represent how much we know. But I would say this, the, the doers are too busy doing to let you know what they're doing. And that's what we need to do. We need to be doers. We need to be people of action. We need to be people of good, godly action, not just representers of how much we know. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks in the perfect law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Not a forgetful hearer, because a forgetful hearer is just somebody with puffed up knowledge. So what did we do? What is the illustration? We looked in the mirror, we looked at ourselves, and then we knew we needed to make some adjustments, right? And then we, God gives us the adjustments that we need to make in our lives. So we look in the mirror and we're like, I need to fix my hair, I think. And then we, we, God tells us to fix our hair. You understand the illustration that I'm giving you? God tells us we need to adjust up. And then what do we do? We're like, well, I just heard it and then I don't go do it. I don't actually live anything out. I just, I just heard something. I didn't actually na- make the necessary adjustment. And what is the necessary adjustment that I would actually do it? That it would come out, it would sing from my life. Not that I would just know about it. Because once again, we can look at the world and complain about everybody's knowledge in the world, but then we as believers, we just do the same thing. We just read for knowledge, not for action. 1 Corinthians 13 Verse 1 says this, if I speak in tongues of men and angels, but I have not love, listen, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Now, this would have been a good illustration today. Actually, we could maybe, no, I won't do it. (laughs) So we have a gift of the spirit on the inside of us. And then, then we can have that. But if we don't have love, what does our life sound like? What is it? A noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. And that's not the sound that we want to issue from our lives. That love has to be an additive. 
in our lives constantly and all the time, loving action, just not the knowledge of love. I know that I need to love you, and I tell you that I love you. Thank God for that. It's good to know. It's good to say it. It's good to be be part of the language of your family. You need to love each other. You need to tell each other that you love each other. But somebody's got to do something in the family. It can't just be words of love, and it can't just be from your wedding day five years ago. Somebody needs to lovingly take out the garbage. Now, I say that because that's what I do to love my family. (laughs) Somebody's got to do the stuff. Somebody's got to take action. The action of love, not just the knowledge of love, not just the words of love, that we would be living a life pleasing and it would show up in our lives in very practical ways. See, knowledge is tainted without action. Knowledge becomes something else if there's no godly action to it, and it's self-deception, and it's a noisy gong, and it's a clanging cymbal. So we just don't want to puff ourselves up, but we actually want to build others up. We don't want to have our knowledge move us to arrogance, but we want it to move us to faith in God and love in action. Wisdom is taking the knowledge of God and putting it into loving action. Loving action. James chapter 2, very famous portion of scripture along these lines, and it says this, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him. So James has a very specific thing here that he's saying to Christians. He's speaking to believers here, and this is not contradictory to the teaching that Paul has on grace. But what James, the half-brother of Jesus, is trying to get us to understand is that our faith needs to show up in very practical ways in our lives, not just knowledge of faith in God, not just the confession of it, which we need both of those things, But then it's going to show up on the other side of those things. It's going to show up in very practical ways. And this is what James says. That faith. That faith. What type of faith? The the faith that has no works. The faith that has no corresponding action afterwards. Now, there's no set of works. There's no set of actions that can save us for eternity to be in a relationship with God. But what James is talking about, when we do receive that grace and that salvation, something needs to happen afterwards, the action of faith. If he has faith and does not have have works, can that faith save him? What type of faith? The faith that does nothing. The faith that doesn't sing a song contradictory to the culture. A faith that just sings the song of the culture. That faith that is just knowledge, that there's no action. Listen to what he says, verse 15. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to him, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? What's the answer to that question? It's no good. It's useless knowledge. If you're saying to somebody, hey, 
be warmed and filled and they actually need warmth and they need some sort of food and you're in that position to actually give them that and you just say to them, be warmed and filled, what good is it? It's no good. In other words, it's just some sort of knowledge that you have in your brain, but there's no action with it. Verse 17, so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. That after we put our faith in God, we put our trust in God, that we want to tune our lives to the word of God. What is it going to do? It's going to show up in our lives. It's going to show up in our actions. And if we don't, it's dead. But it... But someone will say, verse 18, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. James is saying, I'll show you that I have faith in God by the things that I do, the actions that I take, not the declaration of how amazing my knowledge is. Knowledge, faith, action. All of these have to go together. And when they go together, they produce the necessary sound of God coming from our lives. Verse 19, do you believe that God is one? You do well. Even the demons believe. James has just given it to us straight, my friends. Well, what do you believe? Well, I believe this and I believe this and I believe this. Great. You're just the same as the demons then. Is he stepping on our toes or what? Don't we need to have our toes stepped on sometime? Amen, we do. Well, this is what I believe, and I want to tell you what I believe. Will you stand still? I'm going to tell you what I believe. The whole point of what James is saying is like, hey, we're just going to, we're going to do some stuff. We're just going to say what we believe. The demons can do that too. Even the demons believe and shudder. Verse 20, do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that a faith apart from works is useless? He's going to give us another illustration here. Was not Abraham, our father, justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, an action that he took. He didn't just believe something. He believed something, and then he acted. And faith was completed by his works. And the scripture fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. And I don't know about you this morning, here in the room, watching us online, but isn't that the highest compliment that we could get? That we could be a friend of God. And what does a friend of God look like? I just want to tell you how much I know. I just want to represent my knowledge to the world. No, what does a friend of God look like? We have knowledge and faith in God, and then we have loving action. And loving action is the song we need to sing. And loving action that contradicts the actions in the world is the song that we need to sing. And everybody else can be antagonistic and everybody else can be hateful. But we are going to sing a different song. Why? Because we have faith in God. 
not because of our political persuasion, but we have faith in God. And our faith is going to show up in our lives. Verse 24, and you see that person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received messengers and sent them out another way? Verse 26, for as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. And I don't know about you, I don't want to have dead faith. I don't want to have useless faith. I actually want to have a faith that God would look at me and say, hey, that's my friend right there. That's my friend that I could trust to go do good things. Because this world is in desperate need of somebody to sing a different song. Sing a different song that we're going to tune our lives to the song that God sings. Let's stop singing the song of the culture. Dead, ungodly philosophies. But they would take our knowledge and it would grow our faith in God and then it would move us to action. See, we might think, well, this is so, you're giving us a big challenge here, Pastor Brent. It's like, I don't even know. I, so much, the culture is so messed up. There's so many people with so many problems. But you could start with one. You could start with something that you can do for one person. This great conversation here that Jesus has with his disciples. I'm going to finish with this today. John 21, verse 15. After the resurrection, he said this. When they had finished eating breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And isn't that our answer? Isn't that our answer to the Lord? Do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. What does he say? He said to him, feed my lambs. that this love that you have for God shows up in your relationship with people. Do you love me, Jesus says to us this morning? Yes, well, then there's something you can do. Well, where are the lambs? Like, we would think of those as children, perhaps? And then he continues. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, make sure you post on Instagram how amazing your knowledge is. No, sorry, I just added that in. No, he said to him, tend to my sheep. I need you to do something for people if you love me. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Tend to my sheep. Listen, there's people in our church family right now struggling through stuff and this is why we're trying to get everybody in a group because people are going through a bunch of stuff and we know we can't invade people's lives if they don't want us to but there's people that need your help there's people that need to be loved right now in our church but God I I love you so much I, I, I know that you love me but I want you to tend to my sheep I want you to tend to the people 
not just have knowledge, not just say that I have faith in God, but it's going to show up in my relationships with people. He said to them the third time, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? He said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. And it's so simple that sometimes we miss it. And it's so simple and it's so profound, but it's actually so strong when we actually do this, when we just text somebody. We say hi to somebody online because we can't see too many people right now. Reach out to somebody, DM somebody. Why? Because you love God. And and what should happen? It It should just show up in our actions. that's the sound needed in our world today. Unconditional love. We might not believe the same. We might not think the same. We might not have the same political persuasion. But I have this relationship with God. And I want to be his friend. So I'm going to be involved in the sound of loving action. Let's just pray. This morning, Father God, we just thank you for your word today. God, we want to tune our lives to your word. Not just express our knowledge. Just not talk about our finely tuned beliefs. But we want to put in action the things that we know of you and your character and your love for all humanity. God, we want to be your friends this morning. We want to be your representatives. We want to be a different sound in the culture today that expresses your love to others. We want to feed your sheep. We want to tend to your sheep. We thank you, Lord, this week as we have opportunity. We thank you that you are leading us and guiding us to the people who need love the action of love, tangible expression of love. We just thank you for that today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, if you are in the room today or you're watching us online this morning and you have never taken a first step in your relationship with Jesus, the gospel, the good news is all about Jesus, that he came and he lived a sinless life. He died on the cross. God raised him from the dead so that we can actually have a relationship with God for ourselves. And God just offers it to us as a gift. It's called grace. There's nothing that we can do to earn it. There's not some sort of pretend perfect morality that we can have, that we can offer to God and say, God, I'm so good. Can I have a relationship with you? Or create some sort of religion and offer that to God. No, God offers it to us, and all we have to do is say yes today. So if you're here today in the room or you're watching us online, I'm going to pray a prayer here in a second. I ask that you just pray it out loud with me today, just to take that first step in your relationship with God. Everybody in the room today is going to help me out with this prayer. So let's bow our heads and close our eyes. God, today we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he lived a sinless life, that he died on the cross, 
and you raised him from the dead so that I could know you. So today I say yes to that relationship. I say yes to your righteousness. God, I call you my father. Jesus, I call you my Lord. God, I purpose to follow after your ways and turn from my own. I thank you for salvation today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen in. Be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for other messages. For more content from The City Church or to connect with us, visit us at thecitychurch.ca or find us on Facebook or Instagram at citychurchgta. Thanks again for joining us.